So today, Charles is going to be sharing with us. He has a great sermon in store today called Eyes on the Future. Let's welcome Charles. Thanks. Wow. That's a big welcome. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast today? <laughs> Very uh, excited bunch. Well, it's good to see you all. Welcome to the river. I don't know if we have any visitors here today, but welcome. And I want to give you a heads up, actually, that today's sermon contains some reporting on our last six months as a church. You see, we had done this social media campaign last six months. You guys are aware of this, right? And this happened because there's this uh, top executive in marketing, uh, Tom Layden is from Colorado, but he loves our church and our approach to faith so much that he volunteered and gave significant amount of uh, his time, his team's time, his own money, and uh, we launched this social media campaign to get the word out about our church with the hope that it would significantly grow our church. And that was all very exciting. Thank you, Tom. I mean, I just want to say, you know, whatever happened, it was just such a great heart, such a great gesture. We have nothing but gratitude towards Tom. But unfortunately, we did not grow. So the campaign uh, just did not yield the results that we were hoping for. It didn't work. So... We had great online engagement. It really worked fantastic in the virtual world. In the internet world, it was like gangbusters. Like there were 85,000 views on our videos. There were tons of visits and hits on our website. A lot of engagement on Facebook. So virtually speaking, we did great. A lot of people uh, saw our material and we got the word out in the, in the virtual world. So that's great. But it did not translate to actual visitors coming to church on Sundays, which is what we were hoping for. So, you know, we are hoping that it will have long-term impact, that we haven't seen the last of the, uh, its fruit. However... Let's be honest, we're really disappointed. I mean, we had really high hopes. I mean, we had top-notch marketing team volunteering their time in a serious way. We uh, devoted a significant amount of our own time, our resources, a lot of effort went into it. And we had a lot of faith for it. We prayed for it. We felt like God was behind it. And we just was going at it with high hopes. And so to see actual results not coming to fruition, I mean, that's disappointing, right? Has that ever happened to you in some way? Like you, you, because we have hopes, right? You have hopes. Yeah? Yes, you have hopes. To be human is to have hopes. And in career, in relationships, in kids, or whatever, you have hopes. And in different things, you, you, you pray for it. 
And if you have faith, you pray for it. You ask God's blessing on your projects. And, and you have dreams that you go for. And sometimes you feel like God is really behind you. And you really go for it. And, and they tell you to have positive mentality, right? So you like try to have positive mentality because that's how you get success. And so you are like putting, you know, it's going to work and you do all that. But it doesn't always work, right? Sometimes it just flat, you just fall flat and disappointment comes. Can you relate? Has that happened to you? Right? So what do we do at such times? What do we do when we face disappointments, when we feel like God was in it? Where was God? Where is God? What are we... What are we supposed to do with such things? What does the Bible tell us? How are we supposed to approach things with faith when life throws disappointments at you? That's a very powerful, relevant topic, isn't it? There is a passage in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, that's just spot on when you are dealing with such situations. It just talks about the nature of faith. What do you do when you are disappointed? When you don't get what you want, that you thought you would get. It's a really powerful passage. Shall we look at it? All right. It's from Hebrews. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in his holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as the inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And he talks about uh, many others which I condensed because there's a lot here, right? All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, 
destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Uh, cheerful passage, huh? I'm sorry it's a little bit downbeat. I mean, let's be honest. This is sort of downbeat passage. Sheepskins and goatskins and wandering around in deserts and holes and caves. I mean, does that, does that appeal to any of you? It's sort of downbeat. But this is actually a powerful passage about the nature of faith. There is a lot of power and wisdom and even hope in this passage. So let's dig in, okay? It begins with summary declaration of the nature of faith. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is the summary sentence that captures what comes after. And what it says is that faith is not about results and outcomes that you get to see now, right? That's very clear. In fact, it says all the heroes of faith, living by faith, none of them received what had been promised. (laughs) I mean, what a statement. Now, there's a marketing slogan for you. Right? That'll work. You will not get what you want. In fact, none of you will get what's promised. Now come join us. Let's do this. And it's a marvel to me that Christianity grew in popularity with this kind of message and spread all over the world. What in the world, right? I mean, we get attracted to and also used to advertising that talks about, oh, if you buy this deodorant, you will get rich and famous and get everything you want, right? I mean... That's what we are used to. So to get told, actually none, none of the heroes of faith actually get what was promised. Wow. That's bracing, right? Of course, this is not the whole of the message here, is it? The heroes of faith, they did not receive the things promised They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. That's striking. It's saying that faith is living by what you see from the distance. You're seeing future. You're seeing the future possibilities. You're seeing a reality that's better. That's that's, that's in the future. It's not present. You're only seeing it from a distance. It's not here yet. In fact, you're not going to get it. But faith is living by what you see as the better country, a heavenly one. So it's saying something of a heaven grabbed hold of your heart. Something of a better reality, a better future, a better you, a better world, a, a 
better way of life, a better humanity. What God is bringing about in this world and in this reality, that that future heavenly vision has grabbed hold of your heart. And it's not going to be here now. But you see it from a distance. You see that that is the way you ought to go. That is the way that humanity ought to live. And so you are going to live by that vision of what ought to be rather than what is. Amen? Amen. That that is what faith is. So faith is not about success and prosperity now. It's not about if you pray hard enough, you're going to get the dream boat husband. You're going to win the lottery. If you give money to this preacher, if you give enough money to this church, or if you have the right mentality, you're going to have all the success you could ever want. That's not faith. I mean, I'm all for positive mentality. I mean, that's part of living with faith, to have hope and to be positive about your future. That's all good. But this passage makes it clear The true nature of faith is not about success now. How can it be more clear, right? It's about the vision of a better future that you see God is bringing about. That's what faith is. So as a church community, living by faith, right? Shall we live in that faith, right? We are a church. We are called to live by such faith. Even as we grapple with our disappointments in life, or in this case, our disappointment about our social media campaign, these failures don't automatically mean that God is not with us. This doesn't mean automatically that we are somehow off course. Of course, We could be just deluding ourselves and rationalizing away our failures and shortcomings, right? Because you could, so any failure and shortcoming, you could just say, oh, I'm living by faith. (laughs) That's just delusion, right? So how can we tell? How can we tell if you're rationalizing and self-justifying or if you're really living by faith? Well, some good questions to ask are, Are we on the side of God? Are we on the side of love? Are we seeing good fruit? And as a church, I think uh, my answer to that would be emphatically yes, yes, and yes. We're seeing good fruit. We're living by love. We feel God is on our side. So those are some standard questions to ask. But based on this passage... Another very telling and critical and important question to ask is, are we on the side of the future? The future that God is bringing about. Are we seeing something from a distance? Now that's a question that will decide whether we are living by faith or rationalizing failures. It's an important question to ask. See, heroes of faith were ahead of their time. That's what it means to see something better from a distance. It's not popular yet. Not many people are agreeing with them. That is what it means to be prophetic. And that is the job of the church. To be prophetic. To see something 
and to live in the future reality now. That is what church is supposed to do. And this is why the early church grew and grew over time. It took a long time, but it grew because the future was on their side. What God was bringing about. The early church, they were small. They were persecuted. The huge Roman Empire went out of their their way to try to wipe them out. It did not look good at the time. It was not popular. That's why we read uh, sometimes grim passages like this we just read. Things were not looking good for them. Okay? At the time. But that didn't matter. They stood firm. They did not veer from their course and compromise because they were longing for a better country. That was the lodestar. They were longing for a better country. They drew their life's meaning from proclaiming and working and living towards this better reality based on love for all people. I mean, that's sort of standard now, but you don't understand how radical that was back then. This stood in deep contrast to the Roman culture. At the time, worship, success, and power, and results. Now, much like the world we live in today, they divided people into worthy and unworthy, good people, bad people, free and slave, by race, by gender, by whatever, by economic status. There were all these divisions. For example, they had a custom of throwing out babies who didn't look normal. If there were deformities, they were considered cursed by the gods, born unholy, sinful. There was even a designated valley where these babies could be just abandoned to die. The early Christians would go there and take them in and raise these babies at great personal cost. They did not discriminate based on normal and abnormal. They believed in value for all humanity, for all human beings, love for all, inclusion for all, equality for all. They lived by love. They they saw this as the better country, better future better reality. They believe that there is neither Jew, nor Gentile, free or slave, man or woman in Christ Jesus. This is just such a radical prophetic statement. Nobody believed this. Nobody. And even today, there's still a fight over this all over the country in terms of race. You know, what happens to people of different color and race. The experiences are so different. People still live by that, such things. Gender. People think gender is sacred and set and just, you know. There is no gender in Christ. Amen? Amen. Ah, It's so radical, this. The future belongs to God, however. The future belongs to this declaration. Every human being is loved by God. That's the message of the cross. When the Son of God dies on the cross for all people, 
And you are all worth the blood of the living God. We are all made in the image of God, every single one of us, no matter what we look like, what gender we have. We're all precious in the eyes of God. Amen? That is the Christian message. That is the Spirit of God at work. And over the last 2,000 years, God has been winning. God has been on the march and He has been winning. Slavery. Does anybody think it's okay to own slaves today? Anyone? Yeah. I'm into slavery. Slavery is godly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, nobody thinks that. At least they know enough to keep it under wraps, if you think that. Right? This is radical change. Just a few hundred years ago, most people believe slavery is order of things, ordained by God. Even most Christians believe slavery is advocated by the Bible, by God. This is the way to go. That's how people thought. What a radical change. There is no free or slave in Christ Jesus. That one, that's the better future. God is on the march. Women's rights. Gender issues. Just a hundred years ago, women could not vote. Can you believe that? Women were considered property for most of human history. It's true. Okay, let's face it. Just uh, just not so long ago, women could not own any property themselves, even in America. Can you believe it? Can you believe such a world? But that was the reality. But we believe in a better future, don't we? We are prophetic people. We're prophetic people who, who believe that there is no man or woman in Christ Jesus. This is God's Move, Spirit of God at work, uh, breaking down all these divisions and exclusions and inviting all to connect with God on equal basis. And, and, and that is what we believe. And this is why as a church we made the decision to go fully inclusive, not to treat any people group as if they were born sinful, as if they could not connect to God in any way. We believe in this, this equality for all. Just come and connect to God. And let God lead you into whatever better country that God wants to lead you into. That is what we believe in. That is what we believe is the new covenant. And we're good at it. So many people are finding God at this church. We love it. Right? That's what you guys love too, I believe. Because the only thing that matters, the Bible teaches us, is faith expressing itself in love. Righteousness does not come from rules-based exclusion and categorizations. It's a very clear teaching of the Bible. And we want to be faithful to that vision no matter the cost. And it is costly. The Hebrews passage mentions the cost of living in such way explicitly. And compared to what happened to them... The cost we have to pay is, I mean, can we even complain? I mean, (laughs) we don't have to like go around in sheepskins and goatskins and living in caves and holes to live for a better future. I'm personally glad for that. Yay. You know, 
happy about it. But still, it does feel painful. We are less, less than half the size we used to be for making this decision. But I believe we are just ahead of our time. Because several wise people, wise leaders of, of big movements have told me that church like ours is the future of Christian faith. It's what they say. Even some leaders who warned me not to do this because they are sticking with conservative views, even some of them have told me, look, clearly, this is the future. This is where the church is going to go. It will take a little bit of time. It will go there. But right now, this is too costly. It's too early right now. Don't go there because you will pay a high cost. Seriously. I was told that four or five years ago. Uh, Another pastor told me that I know that he knows so many pastors who want to go fully inclusive, but they just are too afraid of losing their church. Because that's the norm. Across the country, any church that does this, losing half of your members is the norm. It's well known. Very costly. But cost should not matter when it comes to faith. Cost does not matter when it comes to looking for a better country. When you look at the hand of God, and you see what God is doing to break down all these walls and divisions that used to exist, that categorize people as sinful or lesser or, you know, whatever, and excluded them from assemblies of God. And that's been coming down one by one by one. Whether it's gender, whether it's economic slavery, whatever it is, race, religion, it's just all coming down. This is God at work. So we believe in this, and we must stick by it no matter the cost. That is what it means to live by faith. Because if we don't have that, what do we have? We have nothing. We are living by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good things are going to come. Even though we are smaller than we are before, we're bearing good fruit. Lots of people connecting to God. People tell me, even, even last week someone told me, I, I used to have this faith that was just, I, mean, I don't know, just rules. Just things that, that I'm supposed to do. Just grew up just reading the Bible and just it was just all words. But now God is a real living reality. Now, I mean, he's a very well-educated man with a great job, you know, lived a straight and a narrow life. And he says, now, now God is alive. Now faith is alive. It is something that is actually real. It matters in my life. It changes me. It makes me a better person. It helps me to respond in better ways. I was like, eh, all right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's good. I'm doing my job. You know? <laughs> but, you know, that is actually, you know, not my job. That's God's job. My job is to get out of the way and equip you to connect to the living God for He is alive. And He will connect to you and speak to you and He will move you. And that's what this church is focused on. And we're never going to veer from that. And so in such cases, what does the Bible tell us? It tells us to hold on In faith. Don't worry about not being the most popular kid on the block. Don't worry about 
some persecution that comes your way. Don't worry about attacks from people who speak ill of you because of me, Jesus said. They, they would say, you're not being holy, you're compromising with the culture. Well, listen, in the Christian world, who pays the cost? I'm a pastor, I'm a, running a church. Who pays the cost? Right? We are paying the cost. This is not a compromise. This is standing for our convictions. You see the difference, right? Future belongs to us. So hold on until the future becomes the present. So all this is to say, we see from a distance what is coming. And just by existing, we proclaim the future. This is the way all Christians are supposed to live. You are to live a prophetic, proclaiming life. You are to live such a life that shows all the people around you, this is the way to go. This is the future. No matter the cost, live by faith. Don't compromise in your life. Stand on your convictions. Live by love. Live for kingdom of God. You will not regret it. Future belongs to you. So, we are now focused on making this church stable and sustainable for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. Just stay in it until the future becomes the present. And we will just, we will receive one day. Maybe not us here, but one day. Maybe our children will. But, This church, being part of such a movement is worth it because that brings the future into reality quicker and quicker, right? So last Sunday, we told you the plan we have to go forward to make this church sustainable for the long haul. We laid it all out. But I want to tell you all again so that everyone hears it because we we, uh, said all this to the River Partners But we want to make it clear to all people who come to church what is happening so we are transparent, whether you know what is coming. And if you have questions, you have input, stay around after the service. We'll have a time of Q&A. Okay? So this is what we are going to do. The basic challenge is, financially, we are not able to carry everything we used to carry because we are half the size. You know, same kind of food is happening, but financially there is pressure, right? So we have to make some changes. The upside is we will become financially stable once we make these changes for the foreseeable future. The downside is we have to make some sacrifices. Uh, One of the most prominent sacrifices is that we cannot carry four full-time pastors. That's hard to do with a church our size. That's more appropriate for a church that's double or triple our size. Okay? And so we have to go down to two full-time pastors. That's still pretty good, right? Two full-time pastors, you know, per person. We're still doing very good. Probably better than before, per person basis. Got it? Right? So here's the plan going forward. I will go on a 12-month unpaid sabbatical starting in July because first, I need it. (laughs) 
Did you know I've been a pastor for 20 straight years without a break? 20 years. Most pastors get a break every seven years. It's called a sabbatical. You heard of that? Seven years, you're supposed to get a break. I've gone straight 20 years. I'm tired. Okay? Right? Plus, I have this back trouble that takes many hours just to be functional. So, I'm going on a break. So, I hope that's okay with you. Right? I'm sure you are not so mean-hearted to say, no, you must work until you die. You know? That would not be very Christian of you, right? So, that's one thing that's happening. I'll also be working on, you know, financial stability for our family. And, you know, I have some skills in the stock market. That's what I'll be doing. So, pray for some luck. That will be helpful. Um, now, that, this doesn't mean I'll be out of the picture. I'll be fully engaged as a member of this church. Not going anywhere. Not getting rid of me. I'll still serve fully as a board member, as I'll still be part of the men's group and uh, lead there. And like I'll just be around doing things, just not as the pastor, uh, just taking a break for 12 months from pastoral duties. Okay? So you will see me pretty much every week, because especially because my wife, Caroline, she is you know, not taking a complete break. She's going to go on unpaid half-time position. And, uh, and she's also going to take some seminary classes with some of the time that's freed up. But uh, she will be uh, changing her job a little bit to now oversee content for both adults and kids. Now, Caroline used to work for River Kids. She's going to see content for both adults and kids. Because I, you know, am the one overseeing content, so that's being filled that way. Amelia Cunard, she's been working as a, a part-time person in River Kids. Speaking of River Kids, they are here. Woo! We love you, kids, because you are the future. You know, the future belongs to you. They're youth. You're not kids. You're youth. The future belongs to you, youth. You know, to use the, uh, uh, the New York accent, you youths have the future. Anyway, Amelia is an awesome, awesome person, if you don't know her. She is uh, pretty amazing. She's going full-time to work with Caroline uh, to uh, work on River Kids. She'll be on the execution side of things whereas Caroline will be more on the content side of things. That is a pretty great team. That's an amazing team, to be honest. I'm looking forward to what they'll be cooking up. That's going to be good stuff coming out. Kevin Chin will just from full-time to a part-time position, helping with logistics of these transitions. Allison Noel, who has been working with the youths <laughs> on part-time basis. That's going to end in fall. She had already planned on this transition because of the new phase of our schooling that begins this fall. But she will continue to work with the youth on a volunteer basis. So, you know, we just all love this church. So just because we don't get paid doesn't mean we're going to just drop off. We're just all staying in. It's just so, so touching and heart 
It just moved our hearts the way that the staff is responding to these changes. Nobody is saying, oh, you can't pay me. I hate you. I'm I mean, it's just, oh, I love this church so much. I love working here so much. It's like the most beautiful place. I just want to do everything possible that's practically possible to help. Isn't that incredible? It's awesome. Jamie Young, her position is ending later this summer, but she's hoping to get a, a, a full-time job and be able to contribute to this church in, in every way possible, if it's possible. John and Sarah will continue in their full-time pastoral positions. Yay! They are carrying the load. So, yay! <laughs> you know, support them, help them, love them, pray for them, encourage them. They are going to carry on. Thank you. Thank you. Woo. They're taking a small pay cut, but... You'll probably increase your work hours, probably. <laughs> Other changes, we are relocating the church office to a less expensive space. Also, for the foreseeable future, we are sticking with a single combined service at 10.30. I like this. You like this service format? It's, it's good, right? Our second service has been a little too small. So it's nice that we are all here together. We are community. We're doing this together. Isn't it nice to see everyone? Feels good, right? So we're going to keep doing this for the foreseeable future. And, and I know I've given you a lot of info. So today after the service, again, we have a Q&A time. Feel free to stick around. Say what you want to say. Ask questions. Anyone is welcome to participate. Okay? Now... When we laid all this out last Sunday, all the members, the response was just overwhelmingly kind and encouraging and supportive. So I want to thank you, thank all the River Partners. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And I do want to point out that there is an opportunity here as we make this transition. When we were much bigger, there was this movement that I did not like, that I smelled as a very bad thing. And there was this movement in the culture of this church where it, it became, okay, we have like a big staff. We're paying you good money. So it sort of became like the church and the church members were paying the professional church workers to do the work, put on a show, and like do things. Does that make sense? It began to feel like that a little bit. With all, you know, does that make sense when... So now that we are in this space, here's an opportunity for us to all come together and truly become a church together. A church is not done by professionals. Church is all of us working together as a body of Christ, as a community together. And so use this, because we all really need you. We need more volunteers. We need more. There are holes being created here, right? And so people have to step up. And that's a great opportunity for us to really become a, a real church together. That is the right way to look at church. You need to get involved. So sign up for volunteering or go to small groups and get involved. Get to know people. The people here are amazing. It's amazing people here. So get to know people. Become a church together. 
And if you're already doing all that, step up your involvement. You know? Sacrificially live for the benefit of other people. That's what makes life meaningful. That's what living by faith really is. Only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Do that. Do that sacrificially and life will come to you. Future will come to you. Your life will blossom, expand. You will have something to live for. There will be this strength in your heart and in your soul. Resilience. You will feel like, my life matters. You know, just this week, there were like a couple of suicides that made me very sad. Kate Spade and Anthony Boudin. You know, like, I liked it. I mean, it's so sad. I, and you wonder what caused that. Riches and fame and success, everything you could want in life, they had. We need faith that's looking to the future. Better reality. A better country. We need to become heavenly people. That's looking towards heaven. There's a heaven in your heart. That today you may face challenges. You may face anxiety. You may face depression. You may face questions and doubts about whatever in your life. But if there is heaven in your soul, if you are looking to the future and seeing a better reality, even at a distance, God's work and His hand at work, your life will never get to a dark place like that. Your life will be full of resilience, hope, joy that is inexplicable. That is what it means to be prophetic. And that is what we are going for. So I want to leave you with a final thought. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come, perch in its branches. That vision of heaven, even if it's the smallest thing, once it takes hold of your soul, it will grow and grow and grow and grow. And it will give you rest. It will give you peace. Our church, it may look a little bit small. It's still a very strong church, but not like world-shaking. But we will grow and grow and grow because future is in our hearts. Amen? pray for. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us. Build into us space for this vision of heaven. Right now, the living God, would you come and create this space in our hearts for a better country, heavenly country that looks to the future that will not be affected by disappointments of today. Make us people of vision, of future. The youth, to the adults, all of us, make us people of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.